You're now tuned in to Spooky Club, a podcast dedicated to exploring all things spooky. So sit back and relax if you can as we take a dive into the eerie world of the not-so-normal for your listening pleasure. We hope you stick around. What up, witches? So welcome back to Spooky Club. This is episode three of this fantastic podcast series. If you're new here and you haven't got a clue what this podcast is, then I shall explain. My name is Stephen and I'm the host, so hello. Each week I'll be taking a spooky-esque topic and diving into it for your listening pleasure, as the intro suggests. The aim here, truthfully, is to create an online community of people like myself, who like this kind of thing, then we'll take over the world one show at a time. It's simple. So you're very welcome to episode three of Spooky Club. This episode is a bit different for two reasons. The first is I'm absolutely bunged up with the cold. So if I sound a bit nasally or a bit congested more than normal, it's because I am, unfortunately. So apologies if I'm breathing down this microphone like a big water buffalo, but (laughs) I'm doing the best that I can. So thank you. Um, The other reason is that compared to the previous two episodes, um, this one's going to be a bit longer. So despite your boys' best efforts to get the previous ones over 20 minutes, and believe me, I tried. um, And I know you all love my dulcet tones. um, So we're going to combine two topics into one in this episode to to hopefully make it a bit longer than normal. um, And to make your, your listening a bit more worthwhile. Firstly, I want to thank anybody that's listened to the first two episodes. Um, There's been a lot of feedback on Instagram, which is a bit unusual for me. I didn't really think anybody would listen to these shows. So it's it's great to see that there are people out there that are and the followers are are growing um, on social media. So that's always good to see. I mean, that is the purpose of the show, really, is to build up uh, a community of people who who like spooky-esque topics. So here we go. In today's episode then, we'll be splitting the show into two different segments. The first part of the show will be taking a look at Banshees. So for those who are unfamiliar with what a Banshee is, which truthfully I imagine is 95% of anybody listening to this show, it's essentially a spooky mythical female entity whose nearby appearance and wailing often signals the death of a close relative. So if you see a Banshee or you hear one, it's not a great sign. It means it's someone is going to die. The Banshee and its different variations appear in various traditions, but they're mostly normally associated with Celtic folklore, so Ireland, Wales, places like that. So they're all different sorts of mad stories about Banshees, from lovely ones to evil ones. I mean, you, you wouldn't want to have a cup of tea with any of them, but you get the gist. There are many different interpretations of the Banshee, including the American interpretation, which we'll be looking into um, as part of the series here. I'm not truthfully sure if many people know about what a banshee is, but as I was growing up as a kid, I would often hear stories about them, and they always spooked me, so they're very, very creepy. Even doing research on this um, episode really creeped me out quite a bit as well. 
In the second part of the show, we'll be taking a look then at, now this will depend on the way that you say it truthfully, but Ouija board, Ouija board, whichever way you want to swing, you go ahead and do it. For those who don't know what the board is, which I suspect is probably very few people who don't know what a Ouija board is, uh, it's essentially a game, well technically not a game, but technically it is, used to communicate with the spirit world. So some people use it to speak to the dead, and some use it to find out future events. Just while we're here, um, for the record, when I die, if anybody tries to contact me from beyond the grave using a Ouija board, I'll be livid. If you think I've worked my arse off for many, many years and paid taxes, and then now's my time to rest, and you're going to try and contact me, I think not. So we'll be looking at the history of the boards, and whether they actually work, so this topic was recommended by one of our Instagram followers, her name is Jessica, so shout out to Jessica. Um, ordinarily, I try to avoid things that are occult related, um, maybe because I'm a bit frightened of it, <laughs> but uh, I did sort of find this one enjoyable, reading about the history and its uses, and there's also a few facts about court cases and things of that nature that are weaved in that hopefully you find interesting, but yeah. Thank you very much for your suggestion. Uh, I don't have any experience with them, so uh, I don't know too much about them. But if you have ever used one and you've got a good or bad experience, feel free to let me know. You can send them in on Instagram. So the Instagram handle is a spooky club. And that's also the Twitter handle as well. So feel free to, to send them in and I'll share them on the show at a later date. On that note, feel free to subscribe to the show. Uh, you'll be notified every week when the podcast comes out. So the plan is to upload every single Friday. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter using the handle a spooky club where you can pick up the conversation. But without further ado, here's episode three. Enjoy. Growing up in Ireland, I would always hear stories about sightings of banshees. A banshee is a wailing female entity whose appearance would indicate the imminent death of a loved one. You truthfully prayed that you never had the misfortune of hearing or ever seeing one. If you're not from Ireland, you'll be forgiven for not knowing what a banshee is, but hopefully in this episode, we'll shed some light on the female entity that we all fear in Ireland, excluding our mothers, of course. I remember as a child growing up, especially in school, there were different kids would tell stories about sort of their family members being attacked by banshees and it really frightened the living life out of me. One story in particular, which has stuck with me for years and years, even until now, recording this podcast, was a story that I overheard about a banshee throwing a comb of all sorts. Um, at one of my school friends' close relatives. Now, I heard this story while I was playing Pokemon on the Game Boy Color, so there was me trying to catch myself a wild Pikachu when I heard this story about this floating mystical woman throwing a comb at somebody's relative, and it really stuck with me um, for years and years and years. It terrified the life out of me, to the point where I'd be frightened walking home alone at night in case I came across one. And even until this day, it's the story still horrifies me, and other stories are sure to send a shiver down your spine. So my first and only encounter with the Banshee wasn't in person, obviously, um, but it was actually through television. 
So the American interpretation of it actually. So I'm not quite sure if anybody listening to the show has ever watched the Disney show Darby O'Gill and the Little People. But that was my first ever encounter with the Banshee and I was a child at that stage. So in 1959, Disney unleashed the classic movie Darby O'Gill and the Little People onto the world. Firstly, I want to mention that I was not born in 1959. I did mention I watched it as a child, but that was in the 90s, just in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> if you've never actually watched Darby O'Gill, uh, I suggest that you do after this podcast. It's a classic in our house. So as I mentioned, I was born in the 90s, and as a child, my dad, and I have no idea why he would do this, it's not something I would ever do with a child, but he would make us sit and watch the film, and the only part that has ever stuck with me was the Banshee's appearance, just because of how terrifying that Disney made her out to be. I'm not quite sure if Irish parents would use this story as a way of warning kids of and avoiding danger, otherwise you'd be terrified to death by the visitation of a Banshee, but it did the job for me, I mean I was a saint as a child after watching it, so if it's what it's worth, if you're looking for parenting um, 101, stick your, your child in front of a TV, make them watch Darby O'Gill, especially the Banshee part, and they'll be good as gold. Darby O'Gill and the Little People is typical of the Irish sort of themed films produced by American film companies during that time. They have over-the-top productions, loads of green scenery, and they have a mythical theme running throughout. But this one was sort of particular because it had different elements of folklore. So it had everything from shenanigans seeking leprechauns to banshees. Let's just say it was better than your average movie of an American coming to Ireland, falling in love with an Irish red-haired Colleen, having to win over her father before living happily ever after in the Irish countryside. So one of the later scenes in the film features Darby O'Gill encountering a banshee, so this is the scene that has terrified me for years and years. So the banshee has summoned a death coach to take the soul of Darby's daughter Katie, now Katie has fallen and is in danger of death, so her death is pretty much imminent. Not overly relevant to the to sort of any part of this story, but just to finish it, Darby manages to pull some trickery, swaps places with Katie in the death coach, and then manages to escape the coach himself and returns to her safely. In the film though, the Banshee is seen as an evil entity who comes to take the souls of those who are dying to the other world. It's a bit like a grim reaper really. In the film she tries multiple times to take Katie's soul but is stopped from doing so by Darby who often throws a lantern at her and then tries to shoo her away with a shovel. On that note, do you ever go back as an adult and watch a, a film that you've seen as a child that you were terrified at or that you loved and only to find out that it's terrible? <laughs> so I actually went back and watched Darby O'Gill, especially the episode or the scene sorry where the Banshee appears and the only thing that terrifies me is the CGI, it's woeful. Now obviously the film was made in 1950s so don't be expecting you know great CGI and all that good stuff but they have the Banshee as this translucent green floating, it's like a bed sheet. <laughs> there's, there's nothing scary about it at all, it's just, now as a kid you don't really see that, you just see this big floating creature and it's, it's horrifying but does anybody else ever have that where you're sort of disappointed when you go back to watch a film? I also had it recently with The Black Cauldron. For years and years I loved that film, R.A.P. Gurgi, gone too soon. But when I went back and watched it, 
it was horrible. Um, actually atrocious. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I'm an adult and you know it doesn't hit the same as it as it did back as a child. But I digress. Sorry. Let's get back to the topic. Irish folklore about the banshee, though, paints the wailing woman in a very different picture. So rather than collecting the souls of the dead, the banshee heralds the death of a loved one by appearing nearby, or by wailing so loudly that those soon to lose the loved one would hear her and be warned. Sightings of her meant that a loved one would soon be joining her in the realm of the dead. The name Banshee comes from the Irish Banshee, which translates to fairy woman. The term apparently goes much further back though to Old Irish, where its translation means woman of the fairy mound. Now the mound element of the older translation comes from the Banshee's connection to mounds of earth scattered around the Irish countryside known as tumuli, which were said to be home of the spirits of the dead and where the Banshee would typically roam. So the tumuli would sit atop burial sites. If you've never seen one, um, if you go onto Google and just Google tumuli, they're not sort of particular to Ireland, there's sort of various different tumuli across the world, but you'll see exactly what they look like. But that's apparently where the Banshee would roam. The Banshee is often known as Hag of the Mist, rude, and Little Washerwoman. Uh, I don't know why they just couldn't give her a normal name like Brenda, um, to be honest, but there we go. The name Little Washerwoman actually comes from the reported sightings of her, where she would be seen washing the blood-stained clothes of those who were soon to join her in the land of the dead. Um, if she wouldn't mind coming around to my house to do the washing as well, that'd be great. Descriptions of banshees vary from tale to tale. However, um, they typically have long, flowing red hair and are normally draped in a cloak. Reported sightings of the Banshee can be traced all the way back to the 1300s with elements of the entity reportedly even appearing in Norman literature. The Banshee would often appear under three different guises. She could appear as a young maiden who would entice people to come near her with her beautiful singing. She could appear as a full-figured woman, or she could appear as a wretched hag. But in any capacity, she was said to have red eyes from her continuous crying, and she wore a cloak. Now there are reports that soldiers in battle in Ireland would hear her wailing and her screaming coming from nearby forests, and believing it to be the banshee would flee the battle for fear of their imminent deaths. Throughout Irish folklore, there are various famous banshees who have their own names and stories. A banshee named Anya presided over the summit of Knockany Hill in County Limerick, and Kleena ruled over the ferries of South Munster. Banshees are said to be associated to a particular family, meaning that different families may have had their own banshee. Folklore claims that there were two types of banshees, the friendly banshee and the hateful banshee. The former, so the friendly, wailed in tenderness to soothe the family of the soon-to-be deceased, while the latter, the hateful one, screamed in delight at the imminent death. 
The Banshee is associated with all the noble families of Ireland. Originally, this included the families of the O'Neills, the O'Briens, the O'Connors, the O'Gradys, and the Cavanaghs. However, as various families have intertwined and as generations have moved on, the list of those families is now exhaustive. So a bit of a fun fact here, um, the wailing of the Banshee has similarities to the tradition of keening. So keening is a practice in Celtic tradition at funerals where a female would be paid. Now the female would often be an elder and she would practice a kind of a vocal lament for the dead. So again, some suggest this was an elder who was quite literally just screaming for the dead. While others report it to have been a melodic chant which involved banging on the coffin of the dead and then the ground. Keens are said to have um, contained unearthly emotion, spontaneous words, repeated motifs, crying and elements of song. I would very much like somebody to keen at my funeral please, thank you. The last known keens as they were reportedly took place in the first half of the 20th century in Ireland. The practice appears to have died out, but the legend of the Banshee lives on. The next topic that we're going to explore on the show, as I mentioned before, was recommended by a follower of the show on Instagram. So every so often I'll put out a question asking, you know, what topics should we cover in future episodes and um, there was a few responses, but I think this one was the, the most intriguing to me. So this one is about Ouija boards. Like, as I mentioned before, um, you can pronounce it Ouija, Ouija, but apparently the, the general rule of thumb is that it's a Ouija board. Also, as I mentioned before, this is something that I don't have too much knowledge about. So I had to do quite a bit of research into the board themselves. But at the same time, my search history at the minute with these uh, episodes of this podcast beginning to look more and more like a horror film every single passing week, so uh, pray for me if you can. I'm new to the concept of the Ouija board, and I obviously know um, that it exists and I know about it, but um, it's much as discovery is for me as it is for those listening to the show. I've never used one, never been around one, never been near one. Uh, for context, my very Catholic mother wouldn't allow me to even watch The Exorcist at home, let alone whip out a Ouija board for a little game of how's your dead granny so yeah um that's about my experience with a ouija board but nonetheless for those curious and for those who have come along for this episode to find out a bit more about them uh stick around we'll be delving into that right now so again enjoy the second part of this podcast The first modern Ouija board is believed to have made its way to North America under the guise of a toy, believe it or not. It was called Ouija, the wonderful talking board. In February 1891, an advertisement in a North American newspaper described a magical way in which owners of the Ouija board could ask questions about the past, present and future with marvellous accuracy. It promised a link between the known and the unknown. The idea of using written language to communicate with the dead was not new. Documents dating back to the Song dynasty in China 
mentioned a practice called planchette writing, or spirit writing, in which users would use a suspended sieve to guide a stick to Chinese characters, which would spell out phrases in ash. Spiritualism had already swept its way across Europe and was already regarded as a form of dark parlour games, with people attempting to contact those beyond the living realm. It is believed that the first modern practice of using tables and letters given to them by spirits and then writing them down to spell phrases came from the Fox sisters. The trio of sisters, who were regarded as mediums, would find themselves possessed by spirits. They would use table turning and rapping as proof of their communication with the dead. They would then write down whatever came into their minds while they were possessed. In 1890, a local attorney in Baltimore by the name of Elijah Bond wanted to capitalise on the craze and so he patented a talking board which came with a planchet shaped like a heart. The board contained letters and numbers as well as phrases like yes, no and goodbye. Legend has it that the patent officer would only grant the patent if the board spelled out his name correctly. It allegedly did. Users of the board were encouraged to get together around the table and place a finger on the planchette. They would then ask a question and the planchette would reportedly move to different letters by the guiding spirit who would then spell out a phrase. The same design that was patented by Elijah Bond exists to this very day. Now the name Ouija is somewhat contested. Some believe that the name comes from ancient Egyptian and it means good luck. Others believe it derives from a combination of the French and German words for yes. Some believe that Elijah Bond's sister was wearing a locket with the word Ouija on it on the day that the game was patented while another theory suggests that Bond asked the board for a name and it spelled out Ouija, which it then told him meant good luck. The popularity of the board soared in the United States, causing new factories to spring up to cope with the demand. Thousands of boards were being sold per week and were marketed at families and friends as a game that could be played in the parlour. Advertisements showing couples sitting together around a table using the board quickly followed. Apparently, popularity of the boards soared during difficult times, such as after World War I and during the Great Depression. Reportedly in 1944, during World War II, one single store sold 50,000 boards over a five-month period. At one point, the boards were outselling the board game Monopoly. Such was the popularity of the games that people began reporting spirit-motivated crimes to the police. An example of this would, would be that they would accuse a spirit of requesting that a user of the game commit a criminal act. But soon the boards began to acquire a bit of a bad reputation. A book called The New Black Magic and the Truth About the Ouija Board 
reported that doctors had been seeing cases of users of the board coming to see them in a state of dementia. What started off as a parlour game soon became notorious as a board that could be used as a portal to hell. In 1973, a film showing a girl who had been possessed by a demon swept the world and caused another spike in the popularity of the board. You know the film is the one that I wasn't allowed to watch as a child, The Exorcist. The Exorcist was reportedly inspired by the story of a boy who in 1949 had used a Ouija board and who had become possessed by an entity. The success of the film and the story that it was allegedly based on cemented the belief that the board was a portal to hell and that usage could cause spirits to possess its users. Soon, a host of films would spring up with the Ouija board central to the plot of the film. Typically, the films would centre around users unleashing demons and bad entities into the world. Some interesting facts about the Ouija board. Apparently, in the 1920s, US judges had to decide on whether the game would be considered a toy, in which a 10% tax would be levied on sales, or if it was something different in which it wouldn't be taxed, or at least not so heavily. It was apparently held to be a toy. Meanwhile, in the UK, in 1994, the murder conviction of Stephen Young, who had been accused of a double murder, was quashed a month after the trial had ended. A retrial had to be ordered after it was discovered that jurors had used a Ouija board to contact Young's deceased victims and then apparently used the board to guide their verdict. Apparently, just before the conclusion of the trial, some of the jurors went back to their hotel in Brighton in England and used the board to ask how the victims had died and who had killed them. The board allegedly told them to convict Young of the charges. It also allegedly confirmed the way in which the victims had died and prompted a retrial. It is known as one of the biggest scandals concerning juror misconduct in the world. Young was however eventually found guilty again in December 1994 during his retrial. I suppose the biggest question of all is are Ouija boards real? Do they work? Are they evil? Can they unleash entities into the world? As you'll appreciate there are countless stories on the internet of various different things Lots of the stories follow the same narrative that somebody was using a Ouija board and an evil entity was unleashed. I've read stories about um, people in their bedroom and the board had told them that somebody was outside and that they were watching them. And I've also read various stories about people being possessed by the board and sort of strange and spooky things happening around their home. But there are also good stories out there as well. So I read stories about the board reassuring users of you know, the, their dead loved ones, that they're happy, they're at peace. So there's, there's, there's a mixed bag of, of different results. Because I've never used one, I can't give any sort of opinion on whether or not um, I, I think they work. But as always, if you've experienced anything while using the Ouija board or experienced anything in the topics that we mentioned in every podcast episode, feel free to let me know. So again, you can message the page, um, a spooky club on Instagram or Twitter. And share the stories as well. If you've got some horror stories, I'd be loved. I would love to know them. Truthfully, if there's something sort of uh, sinister about reading those kind of stories at the same time, but it's 
it's also quite interesting to, to read so anything that you've got send it in but what i will say is if you plan on using a ouija board just know what you're doing be safe read the stories online and then let me know what the result was <laughs> Well, listen, that's us for episode three of Spooky Club. If you've made it this far, thank you very much for listening. I really do appreciate it. It means a lot. I don't know about you, but I genuinely thoroughly enjoyed both of those topics. There was a good mix between folklore and legend. Now, whether or not you believe the two topics are real or not is your own opinion. Uh, I don't really cover or consider that too much on the podcast. We just explore the spooky side of the topics and then you can judge if you believe it or not. If you're interested in reading more about the topics today, so banshees and Ouija boards, the internet is an amazing resource. Just make sure though that you're visiting a decent website and not one of those really strange ones. So I clicked on a website there and got loads of mad pop-ups and all sorts of weird things appeared, so please be very careful which which, uh, websites that you visit. For future episodes, I am thinking of maybe taking the show in a bit of a different direction, at least just for a few episodes in season one. So it'll be around, uh, it'll be like an around the campfire-esque format where I'll share paranormal and spooky encounters using the stories of other people, so be they ghostly or otherwise. So let me know if you'd enjoy that and I'll see what I can do. As always though, feel free to pick up the conversation with my good self on Instagram or Twitter. If you're from Ireland and you've got a bit of knowledge of banshees or if you've ever seen one or claimed to have seen or heard one, let me know. Likewise, if you're a Ouija board user and you've got a bit of experience that you can share, again, feel free to let me know and share that with me. As always though, we will continue on the Spooky Express on next week's episode, which is episode 4. With every episode, I surprise myself that we've even got this far, and it's all thanks to people who, who listen to the show, so thank you very much for your time and your patience, but that's us for today. Um, Have a good day. We'll see you next week. Bye.